This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a show where we discuss how to navigate the highs and lows of the human condition. Each week, we address a new topic, and we see that there are two choices we can make. We can lower the bar, go with the flow, and react to what the world throws at us, or we can be proactive, deciding in advance how we want to live, and in essence, rise above the human condition. We hope the discussion today is just what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. Great to be with you. It is December 27th, 2021. So, yeah, welcome back to the show. And we are in a short series this month of December. We're calling Conversations with Family. And this is our final week. Crazy enough, it's the final one. So week one, I chatted with my oldest daughter, Allison. Uh, we talked about climate change, global warming, and basically anything that has to do with the environment. Then week two, Tammy joined me again, and we did a little discussion about long-distance relationships and how crazy that can be. And then last week, um, Tyler and I talked about some major life changes that he went through when we moved from Indiana to California and some of the things that, uh, some of the impact it had on his mental health along the way, things like that. So this is it, final week, and it is Rachel's turn. So let's welcome Rachel back to the program. <laughs> How are you? I'm so good. Good. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm awesome. I'm a little nervous. Well, but you should I'm be excited. <laughs> I'm so intimidating. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start with some very simple questions like what's your name? Just kidding. Well, we've already we've already done that. Um, but just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing in life right now and maybe something you're dreaming about in the future. I'm 19. I am a sophomore in college in New York. I go to a school called Malloy College on Long Island, but I'm a musical theater major, so I take classes in New York City as well. Um, let me think. I'm learning lots of different things, <laughs> like, you know, musical theater, singing, dancing, acting, all of the above, lots and lots of other weird things. Um, and I guess something that I'm dreaming about right now is probably, I just got an apartment, so I'm dreaming about setting up my apartment and not having to commute as much or live in a dorm, so that's really exciting. But I'm excited to keep learning more about my craft and to have the opportunity to learn about even more weird little niches about it that I've never even heard of before. Like That's been a big thing for me, is just learning things that I never even knew existed, and I'm really excited to keep doing that and keep making what I do, like a tangible reality. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of the way it is with everyone in college and whatever you're studying, like every year you just learn new things and it gets a little deeper and it mm -hmm. gets a little more complex over time. And you realize just how far you can go in whatever your field is. Right. Awesome. Well, today's topic is, I just called it transcending walls <laughs> and it can take on, a, you know, a variety of different meanings as we kind of walk through this and talk talk about a, a number of different things. But 
That's what I named it. And basically, I think where this whole idea started for me um, is you came to us one time and you're like, oh, I'm listening to this podcast. It's called the Man Enough Podcast. And it's really interesting. Um, and so you had us listen to an episode. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. But I just wanted to read the description of the Man Enough Podcast. So on their website, it says, what does it mean to be a man or really a human in the world today? We're changing that together. You have the ability to change it with us. If you're interested in deepening your connection with yourself and others, evolving your understanding of the impacts of traditional masculinity on all people, and being reminded that you are enough, this podcast is for you. We go deep and it gets real and it's also beautiful, even the messy, uncomfortable parts, maybe especially those parts. So that's the description. And I think when when you first introduced mom and I to it, we were kind of like, wow, this is interesting. I wonder why she's so fascinated by this podcast. Um, and then the first episode that you had us listen to was an episode between Justin Baldoni, who's the host. And where is he from? Like, what is his? Well, he's like an actor, director, writer. So the first thing I ever saw him in was um, Jane the Virgin. <laughs> he plays, I think, Raphael. Uh, Raphael is his name, I think, on that show. Um, Got it. Yeah. And then he also has directed things like he directed Five Feet Apart. He directed Clouds. That's on Disney Plus right now. I haven't seen that yet. Shame on me. But <laughs> but those are some things that he's directed. He directed a few episodes of Jane the Virgin. So I think I got to know him first as an actor, director. And so I started like listening to his story and following him on social media. And that's how I found the podcast. Got it. So, yeah, the first episode you had us listen to was one where he entered interviewed his dad basically on the show and it was all about the ways that traditional masculinity or possibly toxic masculinity had led to a divide between them growing up like as he was growing up in in the past and he i think he'd written all of this in a book called man enough right mm -hmm. so he had he had written a book and he'd put all the stuff in the book about his relationship with his dad and some of the issues that they had gone through um, and then at some point his dad read the book and learned all sorts of things about himself, about Justin, about their relationship, stuff that he just didn't even have a clue existed. Mm -hmm. And so the episode was super interesting because it was them kind of wrestling with that, dealing with that, and trying to figure out where do we go from here with our relationship and um, how we kind of look at each other, talk to each other, all those sorts of things. So yeah, I mean, that was kind of our introduction to the podcast. and. Um, so I think I, I think mom's listened to quite a few episodes and I've listened to a few since then, mm -hmm. but really it was that first episode that just like kept sinking in deeper and deeper and deeper. And I started asking myself the same questions. Like, is that the relationship I had with my dad or is that the relationship I have with my spouse or my kids in my own family? Um, and over time, I think it became pretty obvious that there's not a lot of difference. Mm -hmm. Like there's. There's walls that exist in our house. There's family secrets that exist in our house. And whether they stemmed from, you know, traditional masculinity or whatever, the way that they discussed it mm -hmm. or not, it still exists. And so I think in November, I did an episode on the, the show called Transcending Secrecy. And that was really my first episode where I thought through that and tried to like just spill everything in my head related to that whole concept. So if you're interested in that, you can go back and listen to that episode. But 
But that's kind of the intro for our talk today and some of the questions I have for you. And so thank you for agreeing to <laughs> be transparent and talk about these kinds of things on the uh-huh. podcast. All right. So the conversation today is about walls, like I said, or secrecy or whatever you want to call it. But it's basically the things that we build up in our families and in our relationships that have the potential to cause issues. So question number one is basically about the Man Enough podcast. Let's just start there. So how did you find it? What kept you coming back? Like, what is it about the podcast that you like? Well, like I said, I really... I really just admire a lot of Justin Baldoni's work. And I just by watching him on social media, I realized I really, I was very interested in a lot of things that he had to say. So when I found out, I can't remember if I saw like a TikTok about it or if he had just posted about it. Like I'm not a podcast person. I do not. Yeah, I think that was what was kind of interesting to us is I don't ever remember you listening to podcasts, but this seemed like, oh, I found this podcast. Mm -hmm. I really like it. Yeah. And I mean, it was kind of while I was home too. Like when I'm at school, I feel like I don't really have the time to sit and like devote that much brain energy to podcasts and have to like sit there and listen and process everything. But when I was home, all I was really doing was working and sleeping and eating and that was about it. So it's like I would listen to it when I went on walks or when I was on my way to work because I just had the brain space for it, I guess. Interesting. One more thing we can blame on COVID. (laughs) So true. But maybe a good thing for once. (laughs) Yeah. But so I guess I saw, I found it through social media and I started listening to it. And I actually started like halfway through the first season. I didn't realize that I was starting halfway through and not at the beginning. But I think that one of the first episodes I listened to is the one with Sam Baldoni. And I, I guess I just found it really interesting because, you know, when we hear about this quote unquote toxic masculinity or traditional masculinity and how it affects people. We usually talk about it in the frame, mind frame of how it affects women negatively or women, female presenting people negatively. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, cause that's just something I've grown up with, like being a female presenting person or identifying person. It, it's just something that I've identified with for forever is the way that toxic masculinity affects women and the way that we have to be careful you know, and protect ourselves against that. So finding this podcast and hearing a conversation that was centered around how it affects all people and not just women and more so, not more so, but the way it affects men, which therefore affects women, I think was something that added a lot to the conversation that I'd never heard before. It's a much more inclusive conversation that puts a lot less blame on men specifically, not that men don't have any, you know, thing to do about it, but like it, it puts less blame on all people and invites more people to the conversation, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. So you're like, you're talking about kind of the traditional view of masculinity mm-hmm. that, that it's, it used to be men were just mean right. and it caused problems for other people. Right. But this is more a conversation about the fact that, men are falling into a lie mm-hmm. that they may not even see or understand that yeah. is then causing that behavior yeah, and causing it's like that problem. Focused on the patriarchy and how that has affected everyone and not just females, but how it affects men negatively subconsciously without them even knowing it and how therefore that goes on to affect future generations and women and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. True. So next question related to that is kind of about your own life or our mm-hmm. family. Like were there things in the podcast that you immediately resonated with? Like that, that's so true in my life or in our mm-hmm. family. 
Yeah, I mean. Good or bad. I mean. (laughs) I mean, I think it relates to a lot of relationships that I've had, like family relationships and friends, friendships and romantic relationships. Um, But specifically in family, I would say, you know, there is. There, like you said, there are certain secrets and walls that we have built up in this house. And just seeing through the relationship between you and your parents and mom and her parents, you know, growing up with them being my grandparents and seeing how that, seeing how some of the walls that they were taught to build up in their own lives affected you, which therefore affected us. You know, there are just certain things that we didn't talk about that maybe other families did. But on the flip side of that, I think there has also been a lot of good in our house, especially you know, over the past couple years of being more open to talking about things. So I think growing up is something that I noticed a lot more in Indiana specifically. And then once we moved and got older and started having bigger conversations about religion and masculinity and sexuality and identity, all of that kind of stuff, I think it became a much more open topic in our house. And I think we still have a lot of work to do, but I definitely saw a lot of that growing up and less of it recently on the flip side. Got it. Okay. Question number two. So a big thing that came out of the episode with Justin's dad was this whole concept of secrets. I think secrets and just like failing to have normal conversations about things that are important because of it's, it's not right for a man. Mm -hmm. It's like a masculine man just wouldn't have those conversations or wouldn't, or wouldn't talk about anything too deep, Mm -hmm. you know, because that is not masculine. So couple of questions related to that. So did that hit home to you in our family? In other words, were there secrets that you feel like we as parents hid from you guys? And then conversely, like, were there secrets that you kids felt like you had to keep from us? Mm-hmm. And then finally, I guess, were there secrets that you guys kept from each other as kids, <laughs> like right. as siblings? Yeah. I mean, I think there are a couple of a couple of things like mental health, which is really interesting because like you worked in what exactly was field, yeah, yeah your title again, but yeah, like we it wasn't really something that we talked about ever, and specifically you, but mom didn't really either. But I feel like mental health was a big thing that just wasn't really talked about. Also, looking back on it, the history of like racism in our family and just people need, close to us. Like, that's just something that also was never talked about. Like, growing up, I just never even, I had no idea that it was even a thing. And then after moving and getting older, that's also something that I've looked back and been like, I'm sure I experienced so many different forms of that. Not me. Like, it, was, it wasn't directed towards me. And same thing with, you know, feminism mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But there are a lot of things that I'm sure I witnessed and was not accountable in, but, you know, that I was a part of that I just didn't even recognize at all until moving. And that also has to do with, um, toxic masculinity and sexism specifically, (laughs) like growing up in a middle school that had a very strict dress code and stuff like that. And to a certain extent, we had conversations about that in our family, you know, me and mom specifically, because, you know, I think sometimes she was (laughs) a little, she lent a bit closer to the school's rules and other times, you know, it was more just about her not wanting me to get in trouble, you know, not having to want to deal, you know, just do, just do what they tell you to do. So that way you don't get in trouble for it. And at home or out, you know, you can do it, you know, whatever we agree on. But so I guess I witnessed a lot of things about so basically, there. basically what you're touching on there is that 
there were cultural norms, societal mm-hmm. norms that we we lived with that you just assumed that's just the way right. life is or, or there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. And now that you're older, now that we've lived in a different part of the country, mm-hmm. like you're, you're more open to looking back on those things as no, that was part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see it that way then. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess other secrets as well would probably be things like about you and mom as well, like growing up, like we just, I mean, more and more recently we've heard more about it, but you know, the, the history of your family and mom's family, like you're something that I've talked to some friends about is like how, you know, especially the cycle of toxic masculinity, how it's subconsciously, you know, passed down, you know, from generation to generation, but about parenting more specifically, you know, we had the parenting session on the podcast, but about how, you know, you and mom both came from households that weren't necessarily quote unquote perfect or easy or well managed at times. And that really led to a lot of discourse in your personal life and between, and, you know, and in relationships and stuff like that. And I feel like we didn't know a lot about that at all because we grew up in such a way where, you know, you and mom promised each other what you wouldn't get divorced. And it's been a very, you know, even though there have been arguments and, you know, ups and downs and stuff like that, like it's been a very, I would say it's been a pretty stable household for me growing up. And so I feel like that's something that even though I didn't know, it like, it was a very weird and not, I would say not normal experience for us to grow up the way we did because of how you and mom both grew up, you know, split between houses or just with a lot of tension and discourse in your family, you would expect that to be passed down at least a little bit, but it feels like that was really stopped. You know, there are still lasting effects of that between like individually, I'm sure, and you and mom, but I feel like that's something that I didn't even know about growing up, you know, any of the issues there. Obviously, I knew that mom's dad wasn't, you know, my papa isn't her biological dad. Obviously, I knew that. But I didn't know about, I guess, the extent to every little source of tension that there was in those yeah. relationships. Yeah. And that's and that's an interesting thing to think back. Like, why did we do that? Like, mm-hmm. why do why do parents try to hide things like that from their kids? I right. can... I can specifically remember mom with when it came to like, you know, the whole concept of, well, Papa isn't my biological Mm -hmm. dad. He's my stepdad and my biological dad is this other person, but I don't really have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Um, I can still remember her trying to decide when to tell you that or like, you know, hiding it for a while. And then at some point being like, well, I guess I can tell them now or something, Mm -hmm. which is just, yeah. Why did we do that? Right. I don't know. And why And why didn't I talk more about my family mm-hmm. and like things that, that I had grown up with or things right. that my parents went through? Right. I don't know. Is it is it like we were trying to like present this perfect little world for you mm-hmm. guys? Like everything is great. People don't have problems. Right. You know, and, yeah. then, and then you learn it anyways later. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, because then there were weird things that stuck out. It's like I'd notice something here or there, or we talk about it now, but and we wouldn't, we didn't understand why back then. But we also just thought it was normal, like you know. And yeah. now that we know, it's like, oh, that was, oh, that's why that was the thing, and that's why that was there. And but it's funny though, because it's there on some level, it's like a socially acceptable thing because mm-hmm. we do it with Santa Claus too, right? <laughs> we, we lie to our kids for years about Santa Claus, yeah. and then at some point they figure out that oh, it's not as good as it's cracked up to be right and then you live the rest of your life right with this new knowledge Uh and so 
why are we okay with that? But yet, right. You know? Yeah. And so maybe that's why we just, we do the same thing with our lives. We try Mm -hmm. to pretty it up and make it look good. Right. Knowing that maybe at some point, well, they'll eventually find out the truth, but let's at least protect them for as long as we can. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So you talked a little bit about secrets that we may have held from you guys. How about secrets you guys held from us? Like what are the, (laughs) what are the things that you guys felt like you, you couldn't be honest with us about? Hmm. I mean, I think we always joke about, you know, like the sibling code, like if if any of us get arrested, we're calling the other first. We're not calling you guys. Like, you know, it's, we joke Uh, about that all the time, but I do think I think it just depends on the time in our lives, but there have definitely been things that me and Allie have talked about that we don't necessarily share with you guys regarding like relationships or past experiences. And like, we've shared that with Tyler as well. Like when Tyler was struggling mentally, I can't really remember exactly how those conversations went, but those, you know, were things that he wasn't necessarily ready to bring up to you guys yet. I feel like for the most part, it's usually just something that starts out a conversation between us And then eventually it comes back to you guys at some point in time. But I mean, there are things like regarding, yeah, relationships, like romantic relationships and past experiences and past traumas that we haven't necessarily shared. Um, I guess just because we're not ready for that or just like things like, oh, I know I would have gotten in trouble for this. (laughs) It's like, so we tell, we told our siblings, it's not like they're going to get us in trouble. We don't tattle on each other. So, (laughs) you know. Well, one of of the things that your mom and I have always told you guys is that there's nothing that's off limits, right? Right. That you can like tell us anything that we can have those kinds of conversations and it's supposed to be a no judgment zone, all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So what, what kept you guys from really believing that and having those difficult conversations with us? That's a really good question. I mean, I think part of it, I guess would be you know, I would have friends and stuff. And I mean, it's it's still different. This is a little off the question, but it, it relates to it. But I feel like growing up, like we were talking about earlier, like our family was always very perfect. You know, there's like, even though that's not true, but compared to a lot of other families, like our relationships were a lot better. It was a lot healthier of a house, you know, a, a place to live. Like it just, it was much more quote unquote perfect than most people's family lives were. So I so think even though it wasn't perfect, perfect, right? Like you could, you could just tell that there was, it was a safe place. And yes. it was a, there was a lot of good and things. And there was an expectation on. with that then for, you know, the way that, you know, our family operated. And even though I guess it, it was more of a subconscious thing, it, like, at least for me, it almost felt like, oh, our, you know, we don't talk about a lot of, we didn't talk about a lot of things in our house, or at least you and mom didn't communicate those to us or vice versa. And so it almost felt like, at least for me being, I think probably this has actually more to do with me. I don't know if Allie and Tyler feel this way at all, but I guess now I'm realizing like maybe it has more to do with me not wanting to create tension or anything like that because our family, you know, was so quote unquote perfect. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything to mess that up or ask any questions that would mess that up. Or I just, you know, went along and believed that it would like, even though I had maybe doubts at times, like I, it was more of a thing of like, I didn't want to. I didn't want to push didn't on want to it. Rock the boat. Yeah, I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to know. So it's like there was this expectation of perfection, and whether or not that was true, it it felt like it was an expectation that per- perfection and 
almost like serenity had to be kept. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even though that's not true and there were moments where they weren't, it almost felt like an expectation, I guess. I feel like that's probably why. No, that's interesting that you say that, though, because I've heard that from both of the other kids. Hmm. I mean, Tyler, when I when we talked last week about, you know, him, some of the things he went through, mental health things, <clears throat> you know, I think one of the reasons why he didn't feel like he could come to us is he didn't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't want, he didn't want us to know that there was this problem going on because for that very reason. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that's a huge learning just from some of these episodes we've done is that even though we try to do the right, like we, in our heads, we were doing the right thing mm-hmm. by trying to make a safe environment and make everything feel like it's comfortable and right. everyone's content. Mm-hmm. We were actually creating an environment where you couldn't be open and honest or right. as transparent because then you are feeling like you were breaking that serenity that right. was going on in the house or whatever. Yeah. And I think even now, like, it's interesting to think about there are just certain conversations that we don't have with certain people in our lives because we don't want to create the conflict and risk a break in relationship. Now that I think about it, like it still happens, not as often, you know, but to a certain extent, we do certain, we do not have certain conversations And we do not address certain topics with people in our lives because we don't want to risk ruining a relationship over that. You know what I mean? And whether that's the safe choice or the good choice or I don't know. Yeah. On some level, that's just being socially aware. Right. Right. Like you just don't, you don't force difficult conversations every five minutes just because it's like, oh, I'm I'm being transparent. I'm going to be a transparent person. Right. Because you're just causing problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you're throwing gasoline on a fire. Right. You don't need to. But at the same time, I think we go way too far the other way. Mm-hmm. And, and then we're too safe around people. Right. Okay. So let's go in a little bit different direction then. Because <laughs> you kind of brought this up about people outside of our family. So thinking back to this environment that we created and some of the difficulties that caused with being open about things, having secrets... How does that translate into relationships you have with other people now? So Mm. friends, romantic relationships, things like that. Right. Well, something recently that I've realized is I didn't, I mean, maybe it's just been a transition because of COVID or whatever, or maybe it's just me being more self-aware. I don't know. But (laughs) I think something that I've come to realize between me in my family life and in my friends, you know, French relationships and also romantic relationships has been that I have a really hard time being vulnerable and trusting people with things that could be seen as like a negative part about me or just even negative emotions at all. Like I I really try to keep my relationships a peaceful, a peaceful and safe and comforting environment. And that usually that can sometimes come at the expense of my own, you know, needs and well-being. You know, I just choose not to share things that are vital or important or necessary at times because I just don't want to create a less than comfortable environment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Like, you know, I just have conversations with my friends all the time and they're like, you know, if you want to share anything ever, just, just let me know. (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, I mean, maybe I will. (laughs) You're totally open to being that person for your friends and and hearing their deepest, darkest secrets and, Mm -hmm. and being a shoulder to cry on all those kinds of things. Yeah. But it's hard for you to do the same thing with other people. 
Because I guess to me, when a f- usually not very rarely does it happen where someone tells me something, I'm like, really, you had to go and ruin it. Like, you know, you had to go and upset my day. Like, it's very right. rare when that happens, you know, but it's, I guess when I see it from coming from someone else, it's like, oh, no, of course, like, I'm, this is what a friendship is for, is for us to help each other through this kind of stuff. But when I see it, you know, when it comes from my end, I, like, think about, you know, how it might affect them and it might, how it might create discourse or what if they don't think the same way that I do about this and this is personal to me and what if that hurts me, you know what I mean, things like that. And then it ruins our relationship, you know, almost like a worst-case scenario when I'm thinking about it coming from myself. Got it. And some of that could be related to, I mean, I'm not going to pin it all on the Enneagram number that you are, but (laughs) at the same time, the number that you are, nine, Mm -hmm. it lends itself to wanting to protect relationships and Mm -hmm. not create conflict and all that kind of stuff. Right. So some of that's probably personality related, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, again, I think that it could stem, a lot of that could stem for all of us from these unwritten rules and families about, well, you just don't bring that up or we just Mm -hmm. don't have those difficult conversations, things like that. All right. So another thing, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but another thing that came out of that episode on the Man Enough podcast was the whole concept that masculinity was what was causing the problems. Mm -hmm. So maybe talk a little bit more about that. Like what, from that episode, do you remember like what, what did the dad's masculinity traditional or toxic or whatever you want to call it like what did it cause between him and Justin that mm-hmm. was the problem I mean Justin talked a lot about it I was just really I was just listening to the podcast again to remind myself of you know the conversation that they had and one of the things that Justin talked a lot about was the fact that he felt you know his father was this like growing up he felt that his father was just perfect because there were never conversations that happened between them about like, oh yeah, I'm just not doing well right now because of X, Y, and Z, or this has been a struggle for me in the past, or this is a struggle for me now. You know, he felt like Mm -hmm. his dad was some sort of like superhero and he was perfect and he had to be perfect. And if he wasn't, you know, and then that translated into Justin's view of himself, like his own, his own image of him himself. If if he wasn't perfect, if he wasn't living, living up to this certain amount of perfection, then he was not okay. And that that was not normal. So he looked up to him because of that. And he didn't feel like he could ever slip up or mess up or have any issues going on because that wasn't what, you know, a good father or a good man was supposed to be in the eyes of, you know, what he Mm -hmm. saw represented in his dad. And of course, as a kid, you are never perfect. Like you're never going to come close to being perfect. So you're always down on yourself Mm -hmm. then. You're always looking, you're always kind of like having that low self-esteem or that low concept of yourself. Right. And there were things that Justin struggled with that later in the podcast, they his dad revealed that he also struggled with that they just never talked about. And it's like if if his dad had been more open about that earlier on, and it's another, you know, relates back to the keeping like, oh, I just want to protect them for this. Like his dad had a porn addiction when he was younger, and then Justin ended up with a porn addiction as well. Mm-hmm. And that's just never a conversation that they had. So they both struggled with it individually, and right. there was a missed opportunity there for Justin to have had a support system or someone to look up to and see as an example of, oh, it's okay to struggle with these things. There's a way out of it. And, you know, I know people and men around me who have been through the same thing, but because that wasn't something that was talked about, they were both in it completely alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Isolation Mm -hmm. causes it to just keep growing and growing out of control. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that was probably one of the 
best examples I can remember from the podcast of how just like isolating and, and hiding certain things in your life when if you could have just had a conversation as a family or just even between the two of them mm-hmm. about a certain thing, then it could have kept years of problems from happening. Because right. so, it's like how how could, you know, his father have expected Justin to feel comfortable opening up about that if mm-hmm. he was never able to do that either, you know? Right. Very much a, a generational pass down thing. It's like how can you expect your kid to be willing to do that if you aren't, you know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's a difficult conversation, obviously. Pornography, anything to do with sex is mm-hmm. a difficult conversation for people. But, I mean, we could use money as an example, too, because I think, wasn't it in that podcast, too, they talked about they, they didn't talk about money? Or yeah. money was like this yeah, taboo Justin's subject? Yeah, Justin's dad never shared any, like, his dad did all, everything that had to do with money and never let the mom touch it. Yeah. It was very much a yeah, they didn't talk about it at all. It was very much all controlled by And that's an dad. easy that should be an easier conversation than sex. Right. About, you know, because it's not personal. Like no, I mean, it's just you know, this is how we view money. This is, you know, it is what it is. Right. But yeah, so many people like it's just like, oh, we don't talk about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So So bringing it back to our family and our house then, like do you see that like and this is where I struggled and why I did the the episode back in November, because like that was immediately convicting to me mm-hmm. just because of the way I grew up and the way I parented and I'm pretty introverted, kind of like my dad. <laughs> right. And so I know that I probably acted in a very similar way. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't have those conversations with you guys and I didn't, I wasn't like offering information. Right. I was more closed off. And so I can totally see myself in the dad Mm -hmm. (laughs) the same kinds of behaviors so I guess my question for you is did you see that in me did you see that in other men like in our group of friends growing Mm up wow yeah I mean I think it would be interesting to have Tyler in on this conversation because I think I saw it less through maybe if I thought about it more I would see it more in my relationship with you but I think I saw it more through your and Tyler's relationship growing up because it, you know, there have been times where it's been better and times where it's been worse. But I think, you know, being in the middle of like, you know, seeing your relationship and then talking with Tyler sometimes, it would be like, oh, like there was clearly just a, something missing in it. And he would feel that. And he would express that too. It's like, I feel like dad doesn't like me or I feel, you know, like there was, you know, all this times where it just felt like there was an, a disconnect there and there just weren't, it was like a lack of communication. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Just because I think of the stare, not the stereotype, but the expectation that, yeah, you grew up with of like, we don't talk about stuff like that because it's not necessary or because we just don't because we're men and why would we do that? You know, there are things that you keep to yourself. Yeah. And that's the math, like the masculinity piece. I think that they talk about, like, I can totally feel that like to, to talk to your 14 or 15 year old kid, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of try to come down to their level and be transparent about your, mistakes and and the fact that you do things incorrectly mm-hmm. i mean that's that's that whole concept of right like masculinity doesn't want you to do that yeah and so it makes it hard right. it's a hard thing to do but and now that i think about it you as a one too that's like also you're a driving personality it's like you like to be perfect yeah. you like to be right you don't like to yeah strong sense of perfection right so it's hard i'm sure it's even harder to it to talk about that kind of stuff too, to a kid, your kid, you know, that wants to look up to you. You don't want to 
give them a reason to. Well, you don't want to admit it to yourself exactly. that you have problems and that you're not perfect. So right. you're already struggling with that. But then mm-hmm. to be open about it. But still, as a as a counselor, right? As somebody who's grew up in the mental health field, you know, I should have I should have seen some of that stuff too. Mm. But it just took a lot longer to figure it out. Right. With your own kid. Yeah. And I would say I <laughs> so, saw that like not just between you and Tyler. I would say that I saw that definitely between all of the father father-son relationships in our lives. Like, and I think, you know. I don't even know necessarily what a father-daughter relationship is like supposed to be because, you know, you have like the identifying you have father-son and then mom and daughter. And there's like, you know, different, there's a lot, that's a lot more talked about as those relationships. And there's less mm-hmm. between father-daughter besides like, you know, the protective quality or the, you know, like a like jellyfish kind of like, I'll do anything for you. But like, it's, I feel like it's less, there's less talked about there just because the, the the relationships between father and son and mom and daughter are more complicated because they're they're very direct in the ways that they relate to one another. Whereas mm. it's hard just because True. people of the opposite gender and stuff like that just they identify differently. And so it's it's easier to have a relationship with someone that's different than you rather than to work on a really complicated one where you feel a lot of the same issues in your own life, you know. Right. But I would say I definitely saw similar things like that, not talking about things, expecting a certain level of perfection or lack of emotion from their sons. Like I just, I feel like I saw it with almost every father-son relationship in my life growing up. Hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of that stereotypical thing, right? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned like father-daughter relationships then. So, (laughs) so in terms of like, how I interacted with you guys and, and I mean, didn't it come across the same way? Like, wasn't it that I was closed off and that I didn't talk much and that I didn't. Yeah. I think, I think what was different about it, cause it was very like you were operating from more or less the same way, but because there is a different stereotype or expectation of the way that, you know, females or female presenting or identifying people react especially emotionally like because you had the same feelings about yourself and you still parented a similar way and had the same reactions but because we reacted differently to that because we had different expectations for ourselves I think that made it a little less tense you know if we had a crying fit about something maybe you were a little more keen to be a bit softer about it or something like that because you're like oh like girls are 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 like that you know they have Mm -hmm. more hormones or they're more emotional or they, you know, they're, you know, all of the stereotypical. So the need wasn't there for me to force you to act like a man mm-hmm. just, and then in the same way, you didn't feel like you had to mimic yeah. my emotional. Right. Because we were different. Closed offness. And or we grew up with that stereotype of that we were going to be different and that that was a normal thing. Got it. You know, it's like, you don't feel the need to uh, duplicate the behavior of your father because society doesn't tell you that you should, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas like when it's very much like that with mom though, I would say like we we would feel the need to duplicate mom's behaviors and Tyler would feel the need to duplicate yours, you know, to be, just because society tells tells us that they're two, that they are supposed to be two different things. Yeah. That they can't be the same. So I guess there was just less tension there between us because society didn't tell us that we were supposed to have that similarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was interesting when Justin talked about his dad. It was definitely their relationship and the the chaos between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they did talk a little bit about how it impacted the marriage relationship between yeah. his dad and his mom. 
but I didn't hear a lot of, was there even a sister involved? I can't even remember. I don't even know about his siblings, honestly. Yeah. I don't think they talked about it. No, it was more about their relationship. it was a lot more, yeah, just between him and his dad. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last question then, I guess, in that section is related to whether or not this gets passed down. Obviously, mm-hmm. like, I think I learned the introvertedness and the closed off kind of behavior from my dad. And like you're saying, I think it's inadvertently just passed down to the next generation. So mm-hmm. without throwing Tyler under the bus too much, do you <laughs> feel like, do you feel like um, it just got handed down to him and that's just going to be his behavior moving forward? Or is, has, has he learned from cooler heads than, <laughs> than mine? I mean, I think that's really interesting with Tyler, especially because he's still in that like growing, you know, we, me and Allie and Tyler all are, but but we're like, he's very much still in that growing phase where he's still learning a lot about himself and changing constantly. But I think something that's interesting is that because he grew up besides you, like he grew up with like women completely. Obviously he had guy friends and stuff like that, but he grew up with me and Allie as his examples. And because I feel like he had such a, you know, he was such like a mommy's boy too. Like, I feel like he, he definitely has a, some of the introvertedness and some of the I'm right, you're wrong or don't blame me for this. You know, like he has some of the defensiveness, I would say, that especially like traditional masculinity and toxic masculinity carries with it. I would say besides those things, he's he seems to be at least, obviously he still has struggled a lot with it as you probably heard in his podcast, but it's his episode. But I think he's definitely honestly better at opening up about how he feels and about his emotions and negative emotional and mental experiences than me and Ali do. Like he's better at it than we are which is really interesting to me. Yeah. That that was something that came up in part because of the episode and what we were talking about because it was uh, you know related to mental health struggles after being moved clear across the country and mm-hmm. away from his friends and all that. So so that was interesting that that came up, but so you feel like that is something that he has been able to do that you guys haven't really been able to do. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also like you would just see little examples of it when he was younger. And obviously this isn't me saying this is a bad thing. Like, I think this is really funny, but because it's stereotypically not supposed to be this way, like it was something that, you know, we caught attention to. It's like, you know, me and Allie would wear these, like, you know, when those rainbow hair clips or something were popular, those more feminine looking like animal hats, like he would, he would always want to do what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So he's always had a more feminine side to him that he's okay with. Like, you know, wearing the color pink or like, you know, doing silly things like that. He, you know, he always has his nails painted. Like he just has this more feminine side of him that he's very okay with, whether he gets crap for it or not at school or with friends, like he's very okay with it. And I think that's just something that I don't know where he learned it. I don't know if it's through me and Allie. I don't know if it's through mom. I don't know where, but I think that's definitely something that he has going for him in the whole like stopping, you know, of the line of acceptance of, you know, the blur between the both. And it's just a level of confidence. And And like knowing yourself and your own identity and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Cool. Good stuff. All Mm -hmm. right. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. And so we've been talking about masculinity. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about feminism a little bit. So I guess the question is, is feminism just the opposite of traditional masculinity? Like how would you, how would you view feminism I mean, I would say if we describe traditional masculinity to be this expectation of the man to be perfect and the provider and the 
Never be wrong. Never be wrong. Like in a way, the, you know, the traditional idea of femininity would be, yeah, the opposite of that, of being lower and being submissive and being yes and, you know. But I would say feminism, at least in my head, is all about equality. You know, I think a lot of men especially, I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like it's just pretty pretty well known that a lot of men react to feminism in a way of, oh, you want to be better than us. You think that you're better than us, yada, yada, yada. It goes straight to the defensive Mm -hmm. where it's like anyone that, you know, any woman, most women, I can't say any woman, but the the true definition of feminism is just about equality and accepting that there is, there does not need to be a difference between men and women in the right and wrong sense and the powerful and less powerful sense. Like it, there is, there doesn't need to be this huge divide between the two and where one is better and one is worse. Yeah. And toxic masculinity kind of sets that up as, yes, as a, a must-have And makes situation. it harder to accept as well. It makes toxic masculinity is a big reason why the whole feminism agenda has not reached the point where it could reach is because there's a lot of defensiveness about that. Not all men, you know, like, yeah, you're just trying to be better than us. Like, you know, there's there's all of that that comes along with the patriarchy that has been built over hundreds and hundreds of years that make that a harder topic to push into society, you know? Right. So do you think that there's levels of feminism? There's like, <laughs> like, you know, like appropriate feminism all the way up right. to like toxic extreme, f- or right. extreme feminism? I think, yeah, I think there are extremes in both. Like there are some people, that's what I was saying. I can't say all females or all female identifying or presenting people. Like I can't say all of us are just looking for equality. There are some crazy, crazy ones out there who are like, we are so much better. And in a respect, I think, you know, (laughs) I don't think it's correct. I think it's fair (laughs) to feel that way. You know, like we can birth children. Like we're, we're pretty cool. Like we are the reason why the, you know, the, everyone exists. Like, so I think there's a level of that, that is fair to feel. It's not necessarily correct or appropriate to, you know, put on men, you know, there's, it, the way to get the idea of inequality out of someone's mind isn't to beat them with more inequality. You know, it's like, it's to be like, we can all be awesome together and there doesn't need to be. So I think there's definitely a level of extreme feminism. That's an idea in some men's head, you know, that that's what it is. It's just a misconception Mm -hmm. about the term. And in some women who just are so angry or so, I don't know, feeling a very specific way to push them to that extent. But I definitely think there is, if you look at feminism in just its like definition, that is an appropriate way to look at it. And I think that's the way that men should be viewing it as well as the way that it was originally intended to be viewed, you know. To promote equality. Mm -hmm. To promote equality and get rid of all of the, you know, you can't always get rid of it, but to to combat the ideas that there is an inequality there and that women are less and men are more. And then all of the issues that come along with that, that come Mm -hmm. along with identity and self-esteem and body image and all of that stuff. Like, but for both, you know, I think feminism has always been a topic about women and it is, you know, obviously it's the fem is in the word, you know, but I think feminism just can also relate to men because like the man of podcast talks about is, you know, it has to do with both. It has to do with we are being treated as less than because you have a misconception about yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think feminism just doesn't doesn't just address the women agenda, the feminine agenda. It addresses the issues, the cultures, yeah, of it. the cultural misconceptions or mistakes that we have made 
you know, through the past hundreds of years that also affect men. And that is where the source is, you know? True. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about when you said that it's like, we're pretty cool. Like we should be, we should be um, (laughs) promoting feminism and promoting the female. Uh Um, I think one thing that popped into my mind was, yeah, there's nothing wrong with promoting Mm -hmm. who you are. And being taking pride in that. Yeah. Take pride in it without bashing the opposite. Right. And so in other words, there's like, I should be proud of the fact that I'm a male and that Mm -hmm. I have abilities as a male and Mm -hmm. all these different things, but not at the expense of females. And if there is, it is coming at the expense of someone else. And that is a deeper issue that needs to be worked on. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. I wanted to throw the whole feminine feminism thing in there just because we're talking about masculine masculinity (laughs) and it just kind of, you know, kind of comes in at the same, at the same time, but let's bring it back to our doorstep. So starting with our immediate family, um, where do you feel like we're at with all of this stuff? So like, you know, the man enough podcast is really just one of the loud voices out there in terms of what it means to be a man. And they also discuss, you know, feminism on the show as well. And I'm sure there's thousands of podcasts about feminism out there as well. Mm -hmm. So like as a family, where do you feel like we're at? with everything i mean i would say that we still in the dark ages <laughs> no i would say that we you know in a in a sense of wrapping it back to like you know always being perfect we are not perfect even a little bit but in a sense we are definitely we have more conversations about it especially since me and ali have been become more and more aware and more and more um Interested, interested, and passionate, passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Like we have had more and more, especially with Tyler. Like I think you listen and you're a part of all the conversations, but I think because Tyler is currently going through the learning process and unlearning process all at the same time, he's like learning things at school and then coming home and unlearning them all in the same day. Like I think there was one day where he came home from school and used a certain word that we do not like, and Allie very clearly was like, "You don't say that." And he was like, what? Why not? Like he just had, he literally learned it that day at school, came home and said it and then unlearned it that same night. You know? So I feel like because me and Allie have, especially Allie, like Allie has four, four years on him or something like that, you know, because we are at different life stages, each of us are, we are able, but because we're also still so close in age, we have the ability to have conversations like that with one another and learn from each other. And so I think we do. And I think you and mom also contribute and engage in those conversations, but I definitely think we are in a good spot. We need to keep going with it. You know, I think it would be unwise of us to just stop with what we do right now. But I think to a certain extent, we definitely have more headway on those conversations than a lot of families could say that they have. We are much more open to talking about those things. And even like the game that we were playing last night with, with, you know, some of our, you know, Tyler and Allie's like significant others. It's like we... We liked, we, we really want to know those things and we want to have those conversations and learn weird, maybe some taboo things about each other. You know, it's like, we, we want to have that. And because we want that so bad, we are willing to maybe push through some of the discomfort that a lot of families are not because either they aren't as close or they have, you know, deeper ingrained, you know, blockage Mm -hmm. there. You know, I think we're getting through it. We're definitely at a good spot, I think but we can keep going with it. That's for sure. It is funny because I played that same game with you guys two nights ago. Mm-hmm. 
And it, it's kind of funny to me that some of the some of the things we talked about, some of the things that came out are those things that we build up walls about and keep secrets about mm-hmm. and don't talk about. And here, just playing some dumb game mm-hmm. actually allowed those things to come out and we had interesting conversations about yeah. them. So That's why I almost suggested Ali got you guys that. Uh, it's called Let's Get Deep. It's a, another card game just like that, but it's supposed to be, you know, for for relationships. And so right. Ali got it for, you know, them for Christmas and was like, when do you guys have date nights? And when you're alone, we go to college and you're alone and Tyler's out doing whatever he does, you know, you guys should play this game. And I was, I almost, I literally suggested it last night. I was like, let's play, let's get deep with all of us, you know, because I was just so curious, like, Right. Even though I would probably, I feel like I could get a card in there and be like, oh, actually, can we play the other game? Like, yeah. I was really curious about it. I was like, maybe we should play that one because, you know, there's the <laughs> deepest level of where I, I'm just really curious to know what those questions are. And I'd be curious to hear everyone's answers to those. Right. Whether or not I'd want to answer them is a different question. <laughs> True. It's funny because back when I was doing therapy, I do remember that games was a big that was actually a therapy tool that mm-hmm. we used in groups a way into conversation. to play, play games to like, you know, cause the kids, I, I would run a group with teenage mm-hmm. kids, right. Who were in the hospital and maybe there'd be five, six, seven of them in the group. And, you know, if I just stood up there and just started picking out one at a time, asking them questions, right. no one would say anything, Definitely not. <laughs> but you, you know, you turn it into a game and all of a sudden people are wanting to play the game and mm-hmm. then things are, things are coming out. We're having conversations. So like I should have seen that just from previous work in the mental health field that, right. you know, maybe that's a healthy way for families to engage in mm. conversation too. And I don't even know if that was a thing, like if that's a new thing that's been happening is people like those games more and more now because there are more conversations being had about mental health or just the taboo topics are less taboo than they were back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Were those games even a I don't, thing I don't when think we were they younger? Were. No, like when I think back to even when I was in high school, I don't I don't remember there being games where right. you it was have those like conversations. That. No. So I think that's like that's a really good thing too, is conversations like that are being <laughs> it's bad, but they're being, you know, profit. They're being profitable. Yeah, they're making them profitable. And they're looking at them like that, which is a good and bad thing, you know, in and of itself. But I think it's a good thing that they're at least willing to obviously people are buying them. So that they are making things like that. And I know there's another game, too, that I see a lot on social media, which is called, like, We're Not Really Strangers or something like that. It's a whole brand. And they have merch and they have, um, they put out, like, quotes and stuff. But they also have a game just like that, I think, where it's, like, you, there are deep questions that you play with one another, especially, like, in relationships, romantic relationships. And I think it's been a very popular subject on, I've seen, like, TikTok influencers, you know, promote products and stuff like that. So basically, it's just that the culture is more accepting mm-hmm, of having definitely. those conversations. So. Yeah, and more wanting to because we want to advance and explore all of everything that we haven't touched, I think. Yeah. So that was my question about our family, but now let's mm-hmm. look into the future. So like when you think about years down the road and you have your own family, mm-hmm. um, what are some things that you are like? I'm definitely going to do this with my family. And then what are some things where you're like, I'm definitely not doing that with my family? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of been weird because ever since I was younger, I've, I've really wanted to be a parent and I've like been very passionate about them. Like I want a kid right now. You know, I just, I love children so much, but I like, and now I found myself on like parenting TikTok 
where like everyone that I follow on TikTok are parents with babies, you know, and whether or not they like were ready for one or not. And they're just like (laughs) having fun with it or they're actually like having conversations about parenting on TikTok. I like it is all I watch now. And it's honestly like really scary. It's like, wow, actually, oh, that seems kind of hard. Like, I don't know how I would do with that. But I think definitely one thing I, I even brought up on the conversation that our whole family had on the podcast about parenting and stuff like that is, I guess I would just try, you know, to have hard conversations from an early age when they are brought up and just present them in a positive way of like talking about those things instead of making it into a big, because it seems scary and it seems really like a huge, awful negative thing. And when it's a personal, you know, when you keep it inside, but when you share it, you can always frame it in the positive, especially if you're talking to a young kid. So it's like, oh, they ask a question about something that you don't necessarily want to talk about. It's like, you can tell them, but frame it in the positive. Like, you know, that's something that happens. Lots of people go through this and it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a bad thing or a scary thing. You know, we can work through it together. And I think that's a lot of what I see happening on, you know, with all the influencers that I watch on TikTok is those are the conversations that they promote having with their kids. It's like, be open to talking about literally anything from, you know, the moment that they're born and just be careful about, and not necessarily be cautious and not say certain things, but Mm-hmm. Just frame it in a way that makes them, that inspires them to keep pushing towards having those conversations and to seeing it as less of a negative thing and more as of an opportunity or a, you know, just a normal thing that does happen. You know, it's like, oh yeah, this happened to me when I was younger too, or my family was like this, you know, and that was really hard for me, but look what I learned from it. And that's okay. Lots of people go through that too, you know, or we're special because of this, like how cool we are, you know, like (laughs) there's tons of ways that you can frame things. So I guess that would be, and I can only imagine how hard that is too, but I guess, you know, if, or when I do end up having a family of my own, that is what I would probably strive to do is to have, to be open to talking about anything and just being careful about the way I address those things, but, but being willing to talk about them, you know, I think that's one of the things like when we look back is, is just how easy it was not to have the conversations. Exactly. Not that we weren't open to having them. Mm -hmm. It was almost like they weren't going to happen if we didn't make them happen on some level. And that's a really touchy subject too, because like as a parent, you shouldn't be like sitting your kids down once a week and being like, okay, we're going to, we're going to talk about Hash out all of really stuff. bad stuff. So right. like, tell me every bad thing that happened in your day mm-hmm. this week. And, and we're going to talk about it. Right. So you don't want to do that. But at this, at the same time, years can go by mm-hmm. where you just don't have a deep conversation right? just because everyone's so busy mm-hmm. and you're just living your life. So. And there's, I think a difference between, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm one of these people, but I've met friends and I've, you know, heard people talk about how they felt like they were a parent to their own parent, you know, because their parent put so much onto them and relied on them, you know, for like, you know, as a therapist or, you know, and so I feel right. like there's a line between sharing things that are difficult and being open about those things versus putting that on the kid and making it the kid's responsibility to comfort you. You know what I mean? It's like True. you have to almost be okay with that negative, you know, experience or thought process that you have in yourself before you can talk about that with your kid. And that's just its own thing. You know, that just means that we all need to be better about our own mental health and about our own processes. We all need to be taking care of ourselves better in order to have safe conversations with people. Yeah. That's a great advertisement for counseling, for Mm -hmm. therapy. You know, you, 
you can't help your kids if you haven't kind of worked through some of this right. stuff on your own. And it's really hard to have those conversations and to frame them in a, in a good way if you aren't even settled about it yourself, you know? Right. So. Okay. So how about the opposite then? What are some things you definitely don't want to do as a parent? <laughs> oh, that's really hard. Things that I don't want to do. I mean, the first thing that I could think of, you know, is just like the different forms of parenting. And it's like, I definitely want to lean more towards, you know, authoritarian, like putting down rules, but not rules that are so ridiculous. And, and also I don't want to put down rules and not be open to talking about the rules. Not that you guys did this, but it's just something that I'm very, I want to make it clear to my kids that they are respected the way that they are supposed to be respecting me. You know, it's like respect goes both ways. And I don't want to be the parent that throws a rule or throws something on them and just makes them be okay with that. If they have an issue with that and not be willing to talk about it or be open to healthy discourse, you know, about anything, about life experiences, about rules set in the house, about, you know. So basically just having some really healthy boundaries that are Mm -hmm. very well documented or very talked through. So that everyone's on the same page. Right. And And it's not just a list of here's 30 things you can't do and don't ask me why. Because I think a lot of parents put down rules or put down expectations either subconsciously or consciously and just don't bother to explain it because to them it's common sense. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. obviously, no, you're not going to be allowed to go out by yourself or by yourself with a man. You know, that's past a certain age or by yourself like at night. Like, you know, because to us, that's just common sense. It's like, no, 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 you're too young to do that. But when we just put that on a kid for a lot of times, it's like, but why? Like, they don't get it. And there's a certain expectation, you know, there's a certain... They don't have the life experience right. to really understand And so to why. them, it's just frustrating. And then it feels like something, one, that can't be talked about or something that they feel, it almost like a disrespect thing. of like, oh, well, you're going to put that on me, but not even give me a chance to understand it or to ask you, you know, questions about it or find, you know, little ways that I can at least make that a little bit better, like for myself, you know. Right. So I feel like just having a respectful and open relationship is really important to me in general. And it's something I'm still working on, even with like friends and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Well, that was my last question. So (laughs) (laughs) before finishing this thing off, thanks for coming back on the podcast. I had a lot of fun. I had fun too. Awesome. (laughs) Finally, for those of you listening, um, I have a couple of questions for you. So does any of this sound familiar? Like, do you see your, you know, your own life following the same pattern? Do you see things like this in your family of origin or in your immediate family? If so, like what damage is it causing or what damage has already been done? As we close out 2021, make a list of the negative or toxic things that you see happening in your house and then come up with a healthy alternative list or new ways of thinking or behaving that are positive and encouraging. Then as we dive into 2022, we can work on implementing these new patterns in our homes together. So thanks for joining us on the podcast this year and for indulging me this month in December. It's been so much fun having family members on the show to talk about things that are important to them. Hopefully you gained some knowledge in the process um, and learned some things. So we've come a long way this year. Um, Happy holidays to each and every one of you. Uh, Looking forward to transcending human with you again in the new year.
For more information on Transcend Human or the Transcend Human podcast, visit us at transcendhuman.com. There you'll find all of the podcast episodes along with the show notes. You'll find blog posts and other resources that will be helpful to you. You can also find our social media links there, and you can contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. And finally, we would love it if you would share the podcast with friends and family. Uh, If you do have an extra minute, stop by Apple Podcasts and uh, leave us a rating and a review. That always helps to boost us in the rankings and ensure that more people find us. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next week.